Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old, and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts, and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference. to show about science this year host Nate and today we are going to be going on a behind the scenes look at the fuel museum and Emily Grass is going to come along it's going to be an awesome episode so stay tuned hi hi how are you I'm good I think you already met us at the March for Science yeah I did this is Emily Grassley the amazing host of The Brain Scoop. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? So, I was thinking first we could try the do the behind the scenes tour and then we could try the interview. Okay. It's time for an exclusive show about science, behind the scenes tour. And get ready because there's a lot to see. So we have lots of stuff. And the statistic we tell people is less than 1% of all of the collections that are in this museum are on public display. 99% of the other 30 million things are in collections behind the scenes. So we're gonna go see some of that stuff. 99% of 30 million things? I don't even know how to do the math for that, but I know it's a lot of stuff to share with you in one episode, so we should get started. First up is the Bird Prep Lab. And those of you who watch the braid scoop know that this is where they do dissections. So this is the um, bird prep lab where we take in thousands of birds that die every year hitting downtown Chicago businesses. So we take these birds and we record all of their information and then we make sure that they can go into the collection forever. Just pretty cool. So I see you already got some stuff out of the birds. Yeah, I've yeah. done a couple birds already. It looks like some organs. Yeah, so we take the, the whole body out of the bird. So this right here is the torso that came out, and it has um, all of its organs inside of it still. Um, is one of those organs the heart? Um, yeah, inside, if we open it up, we can pull out the heart. This right here is the heart. Can you see that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Looks like a big they kidney have a bean. tiny heart. They do have a tiny heart. They're tiny little birds, though. <laughs> I, I always think it's kind of funny that when you take all the the feathers off of the bird, you see how tiny the body is on the inside. I know. Yeah. Well, Nate, do you want to go see some flesh-eating beetles? Um, yes. Okay. I am totally ready for the flesh-eating beetles. <laughs> okay, we're going to go in this room here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. you're on your podcast. Yeah. 
Whoa, we're about to enter the field museum's hidden flesh-eating bug room. So we gotta be careful to not let any bugs out. Wait, we're gonna go in here. Um, okay. And it might smell a little bad, too. Like, what will it smell like? You know, you're gonna have to tell me what you think it smells like. It smells like dog poop. <laughs> it smells like dog poop. It does smell a little like dog poop. It like smells that. like something kind of icky, huh? It smells like dog poop. But this is what these, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is what these beetles are working on. They, okay. um, when we finished preparing those birds for the collection, we put them in these aquariums that are full of beetles and beetle larvae. So um, the little wormy looking things that aren't quite adults. And they eat the flesh off of the bones. They um, will eat all of the muscle tissue. And we use them because they are so efficient. These guys are way better at cleaning skeletons than we are as people they can get into all of the nooks and crannies that our tools and our fingers can't reach and so these beetles have been here for a really really long time far longer than i've ever been alive and maybe even longer than your parents have been alive and we just and keep even my 99 year old great grandma my 95 <laughs> year old great grandma maybe not that long but they've probably uh, been here for 50 or 60 years and so we just cycle through them, through the colonies, and when the colonies fill up with, you know, poop and the shed skins oh. of all the other ones, then we freeze them and dump them of all out and start over. Of course it smells like dog poop. Oh, exactly, because there's like a lot of poop in the, in the tanks. But isn't it, I think it's kind of neat to watch them work in there and these guys yeah, occur naturally. Yeah, as long as you plug your nose. Yeah, I get kind of used to the smell after a while. It doesn't bother oh. me so much anymore, but it is not the most pleasant smelling place in the museum. I'm definitely not. <laughs> if you're ever going to be in a room full of flesh-eating bugs, I have two words for you. Gas mask. Can we get out of here now? Yep, we can. Now, which way are we going? <laughs> that way or that way? We'll go this way. Okay. 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 We're off. Thanks, guys. So after saying goodbye to our friends at the Bird Prep Lab, we went off to meet Emily's friend, Jim. I'm Jim Lauderman, and I'm a collections assistant in the Gans Family Collection Center, the insect collections at the Field Museum in Chicago. Jim's office was amazing. It was filled with aquariums and boxes full of all sorts of interesting creepy crawlies. And I didn't need a gas mask at all. So what kind of insects do you like? Um, I'm used to uh, ants, beetles, and really pulleys and slugs. Okay, how about something that's not from here and is a little bit bigger than an ant? You mean a lot bigger? A lot bigger. Okay. Here we go. Oh. That is okay. a giant peppered cockroach. <laughs> and they live in Central America, in Costa Rica. Okay. And they absolutely are harmless because they only eat okay. plants. Do you want to hold him? <laughs> no, oh, no, sure no, no. Oh, sure you do. Oh hold your God. hand out. You can hold him. He won't hurt you. Come on, just real quick. I won't let him get away from you. There you go. See? <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> so 
So you got to hold a great big giant pepper cackle. And he flew over to you. There we go. Got you. Oh, yeah. Isn't he cool? Jim finally got the giant pepper cockroach off of me and put him back in his home. Then he pulled an orange toolbox down from the shelf. I was pretty nervous about what was inside. Is it another cockroach? No. Good. I have other kinds of cockroaches, but I'm not going to take one of those out. In here, what is it? I have a millipede. Those are exactly the ones that I want to find in the Philippines. Yes, so these live in dead, rotting logs. And these live here in the Chicago area, and they can be found in the Where? forest preserves. Where? So if you go out in the forest preserves and you find a dead tree laying on the ground, they live under the bark of the dead trees. Okay, Dad, after this recording, we are going there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So these are, are local, and they don't bite. You want to hold him? Um, if sure. you're going to go catch him, you got to learn how to hold him, right? There you go. Okay, that feels better. Yeah, and they have 156 legs. And what? 156. And when they move, when they walk, they move every tenth, every tenth leg at the same time. So it looks like their legs are moving in a pa in a wave. Isn't he cool? Come on, move. He's not moving. Move, move. 156 legs moving on your hand feels weird and kind of tickles, but the millipede wasn't the only bug living in that toolbox. There's a patent leather beetle. But don't let me hold him. Oh, why not? <laughs> and these beetles, they actually squeak. Do you want to hear them squeak? Hear him? I'm not going to touch you. Yeah. Hear him squeak? Yeah, and, the, and the reason these squeak, they live in rotting logs, and they and their babies eat rotting wood, but the baby's mouths are really small, so they can't chew the rotting wood up, so the mother and father chew up the rotting wood, and then they squeak to their babies to come and eat. So they take care of their babies. So they're one of the few beetles in the world that actually takes care of their babies. Isn't that cool? And these live in Illinois, so this is another local insect. Okay. And these, these you have to go to southern Illinois to find. These don't live this far north. Okay, but I am probably going to stick to the millipedes. Stick to the millipedes, yes. <laughs> and these don't bite either. Do you want to hold them? No. No? Okay. No. So let's put him away. The last creepy crawly was the creepiest, but also the coolest. Okay. So let's see. Have you ever seen a scorpion? No. Let me get my. I've but, got a. I've got but a black one. But that one I am not holding. No, I, I'm not holding a scorpion. So there he is. Uh, that's called a desert hairy scorpion. Oh, I saw him move. There he is. See, that's a desert hairy scorpion, and they live in Arizona. Oh. But okay. scorpions do something kind of cool. What? Uh, which one of these? This one I can unplug. Do they dance under UV light? They don't dance. But if I turn the lights off and I shine this on the scorpion, it glows. it glows under black light or ultraviolet light. So isn't that cool? And all scorpions do that. And even after scorpions have died, they, keep, they continue to glow. Whoa.
Isn't that cool? Now don't let me smell that. And that's caused by proteins in their skin that the ultraviolet light excites. So they're basically showing themselves to predators. They're showing themselves to predators and the, the, they're also showing themselves to other scorpions of the same species so that they can get together and have babies. Okay. And, and not get together with other scorpions that would kill each other. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming to the museum today. Okay, hey Emily, so now oh, let's go and see the other stuff. Okay, <laughs> sure. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. We had to search a bit, but we finally found another one of Emily's Field Museum friends. I'm Dr. Crystal Meyer, I'm I'm collection Nate. manager at the Field Museum. What was your name? Nate. Nice to meet you, Nate. <laughs> I'm just as excited as you are. <laughs> Crystal was working in her office when I arrived, packaging specimens collected hundreds of years ago and getting them ready to send to other scientists. But I was curious about one thing in the back of her office. The thing I'm wondering is, mm -hmm. what is that over there? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, that's, that's my aquatic insect tank. So I work on aquatic insects. Where is that big one? So the big one is in the back there. So that's, that's a baby dragonfly. It's called a nymph. Is there any mosquitoes in there, there for you to eat? Nope. So he actually eats fish. Oh. Yeah. So he eats big Eating. stuff. Um, there are little tiny shrimp in there. There's also um, some diving beetles in there. And the diving beetles are pretty neat. Come on, wake up. Wake up, everybody. Where are the diving beetles? Okay, I'm going to have to get dirty. Okay. <laughs> All right, here it is. When Crystal says she's going to have to get dirty, she means it. She rolled up her sleeve and stuck her arm in the aquarium. Oh, there they are. Where? Do you see them zooming around? Oh, yeah, there's So that's a diving beetle. And the diving beetles actually carry an air bubble with them, so that way they can breathe underwater. Oh, I saw another. Yeah, there he goes. Oh, there's another. Oh, I actually saw oh, a shrimp. Oh, there's a shrimp. Oh, yeah, there's another shrimp. Oh, there's another shrimp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the shrimp are there for the shrimp. diving beetles to eat. But where is our friend the dragonfly? Oh yeah, there he is. There he is. There's your dragonfly. Look, there's, there's two of them. <gasps> where? So there's this little guy right Where's here. Where's the second? Right here. Oh. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Did the... he just get born? No, this is a different species, but he's probably younger than that one. Yeah. This is one of the biggest species of dragonflies. Okay. And what's really cool is that in order to move, they shoot water out of their butts. <laughs> <laughs> and if we bother him, maybe he'll do it for us. Oh, did you see it? He scoots forward. <laughs> That's him shooting water out of his butt. He shot water out of his butt. <laughs> that was... Awesome. And then this one does the same thing. Is that thing. one going to shoot water out of it, its butt? It might. No. Please do, please do, please do. Uh, <laughs> no, he's, a little more, he's a little more friendly. What'll happen if you take him out of the water? He wouldn't like that very much because he breathes underwater. 
he shot my out of his out of his butt so many times. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! Stop shooting water out of your butt, little dragonfly. Well, we'll stop bothering him, and he'll stop shooting water out of his butt. Okay. Thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. That was the end of our tour, so we headed over to the studio where Emily films the Brain Scoop to talk about all the cool things we saw. Some of this stuff was gross. What was your favorite thing that you saw? Mine was the um, millipedes, of course, because I want in a few days I want to go and catch them. Yeah. Do you find millipedes in your backyard? Just tiny ones. <laughs> Just tiny ones. You sound so bummed out. I want the bigger ones. They sound cooler. You know, we did a video about millipedes once. You did? Yeah, we did. With the same millipedes? No, not with those. With actually one that was bigger. Like how big? It's like as big as your face. As big as my face? Yeah, it was probably... So like one, two, three, four, five... Six. Six inches. Yeah. It was like about six to eight inches. Okay. It was pretty cool. So like seven inches. Yeah. Okay, that sounds very big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like millipedes. I think there's some pretty cool uh, <laughs> I do too. little I'm, guys. By the way, have you ever been right across the street at the shed? I have, yeah. So what is your favorite fish there? Hmm. Uh, do you remember the arapaima? They're in the Amazon space. So they're kind of, once you walk in and they have that like jungly central South America exhibit with freshwater fish. And there are some fish called arapaima and they're as big as this table we're sitting at. Some of them can be like six or eight feet long. Oh yeah, I think I saw one of those. They're huge. And I really like those. I think they're pretty cool fish. Yeah. Since it's just right across the street, maybe we could go there afterwards. Like maybe you would have some stuff that you have to do, but maybe dad, (laughs) mom, and me could go there after. You know, when we look around, sometimes I think I would rather go to the shed than answer emails at work. I bet your listeners can understand that. Those who are working right now, I can understand. It's so tempting. It's right there. It's like, I just, I could go see some fish. But you know what? Then we have fish here that I can go check out in our collections too. So sometimes I do that. Okay. Just sit there, you know, dead. Wait, I've got a question. Yeah. Does the sheds sometimes send you their dead fish? They actually do, yeah. Because once they have a, a fish that dies, then they might do some dissections on it to try to figure out how it died. And then afterwards, they're like, well, you know, some other people could learn something from this fish, and so they send it our way. Okay. Yeah. Do they actually, like, give it to someone? And they walk it across the street and then give it to someone at the field museum? Yeah. they Actually, we usually go over there. So okay. we have some fish scientists who work actually right down the hall. And they just walk right on over. And they say, hey, I'll pick up that dead fish. And then the shed is like, okay, here you go. And then we bring it back over here. And then do some more dissecting. Yeah, and, you know, ask some more questions. Do you ever put those fish on public display? 
Well, by the time they get all dissected apart, you know, they, they don't look really good because, you know, there's big pieces of them missing. So no, mostly we just use them for science. So what if you make a new discovery in one of those fish? What do you do? Then if a scientist is looking at a fish and it says, hey, I think I know something new about this, they might go to the literature. Like they might go and see what other science has been published about it. And then if what they see is different, then they'll write their own paper about it. And then that gets sent around to other scientists who will look at it and say, you know what? They might be onto something. Or they'll be like, no, I don't really believe that that's a new discovery. And that's called peer review. And it doesn't sound very oh, I, fun. I, we actually did an episode on peer review. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it's pretty neat. I think a lot of people, when they think about scientific discoveries, they think you're in a, a forest or, you know, some foreign environment. And you say, wow, that's a brand new species. But most of the time, it just happens between conversations between scientists. Hmm. Which I think is pretty cool, too, because that's how we move, move this ship forward. So what is your favorite thing that you've ever done on your job? Oh, wow. My favorite thing that I've ever done on my job. You know, every day at my job is a different day. Like, I've never had a day that was just like today, where we, you know, you came to visit me at the Field Museum, and I got to be on your show. Normally, I'm the person doing the interviewing, so yeah. that was pretty cool. And so then, today you're on the other end of the mic. Yeah, exactly. So, so I like days like this where, you know, I read a couple of books this morning in preparation for a new video that we're going to be filming soon. And oh, what's that new video? Well, it's a video about Native Americans, and it's mm-hmm. a video about the relationship between Native Americans and natural history museums, mm-hmm. which is a pretty complicated topic to try and tackle and to talk about. So Okay, I'm definitely going to watch that episode. Yeah, so that's a, an episode we're working on. But then, you know, I got a Chicago-style hot dog at the hot dog stand for lunch and got to talk to some scientists over lunch about some fish papers that they're working on. And then I get to be on a podcast with you, and we got to walk around for a while and, like, see a bunch of cool stuff. Where is that hot dog stand? <laughs> it is, it's right outside. They have the best Chicago-style hot dogs in the city. Can we get one after this? Yeah. Awesome. How do you people find The Brain Scoop? Well, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Brain Scoop. And you can also find me on Twitter. My handle is M-E-E-H-M-E-E. And you can find us on the Field Museum website. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Nate. There you have it, folks. The show about science is complete. Dad, you can shut the recording off. But before you do, music on today's episode was made by SoundsLikeAnEarful.com and FreeSFX.com. Bye! Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference.